Our Father, we thank you that uh, you are the God who, although we can't see you, you can talk to us and we pray that you will talk to us from the Bible this evening to show us what you are like. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Exodus chapter 20 and verse 1. Then God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me, in front of me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image of any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquities of the Father on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. Exodus chapter 20, in case you actually shut that, it's uh, page uh, 61. And let me ask you a question. Is it true that some people believe in God and some people don't? Yes? Who says yes? yes? Who says no? Because everybody worships something. Everybody actually has got... I think you're right, Nadia. I think if you ask people, do you believe in God, they'll say no because they don't go to church or go to a religious meeting. But everybody looks to something to give them their joy, to give them a sense of worth, to give them a value, to give them a purpose in life, to give them something to wake up for in the morning. Everybody has something that they live for. And if it isn't the true God, the great Father God, it will be like the teddy bear, something that he has made. And we'll either love God or we will love something that he has made, which you can see there are many things he's made in verse 4, things above the earth, on the earth, under the earth. We will either love God or something he has made. And therefore, we will love something good because, of course, God makes good things. But then those good things become for us the most important things, the ultimate things, the things that are even more important than God himself. We love God's gifts more than we love the God who gives. And you can see that as an example. Take children. Children are a fantastic gift. But children can be the reason why we feel loved. We get our joy from our children, we get our worth from our children, and they become the reasons we live. They become, if you like, more important to us than even God himself. Now, there are lots of different examples. Children be one. Uh, we could say that our partners, our husbands, our wives could take, be the person who gives us love, 
the reason why we live, the purpose for our lives and become in that sense more important than God, take us even sometimes away from Him. What could be our jobs? We get our identity from the work that we do. I'm an engineer, I'm an important person. My value in life comes from the work that I do. And so that becomes more important to me than anything else. The Bible calls uh, God's substitute, the Bible calls that an idol. And everyone in the world worships something, either the real God or a substitute. And uh, if you think of uh, what is it in your life that if you took it away, your world will fall apart. You will have nothing to live for. That thing is close to being an idol. And the Bible tells us two things about that danger in Exodus chapter 20. First, worship the true God. And he's saying this to his own people. Exodus chapter 20 is where you find what people call the Ten Commandments. But the Ten Commandments are written to this special people, not to everybody. I know we often say, if only we took the Ten Commandments and our country had the Ten Commandments, uh, we'd be fine. And certainly that is true. If we didn't have murder this week, our country would be a lot happier place, but every single day's newspaper has had stories of people in Manchester who got blown up by that suicide bomber. So yes, it's true. These would make our country better, but they are written for God's special people. And you can only live under God's rule if you are rock solid on the fact that God absolutely loves you and adores you. And that's why it's important for us to see that the commandments don't start with number one in verse three. It starts with God loving us in verse two. So look at uh, verse 2, and you see it is a message from God saying, I love you. I am the Lord who has given you a new life. I have taken you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. I have a different life for you, a new life for you. You will be my people forever. I love you. And therefore, if we turn away from God for something he's made, we are going to be going for something that loves us less. And the reason why we love God is because he loved us. So you see, in uh, our love for God, Jesus summarized that. In, uh, if you can try to find uh, Luke, uh, have you got a Bible, uh, Angela? Right. Right. Okay. You haven't got reading glasses at all? Yeah. 
Ah, right. I think next time uh, the reading glasses come with you. Right. Okay. Uh, so Exodus. Uh, so Luke chapter ten, verse twenty-seven. Um, it's on page uh, eight six nine, and Jesus summarizes. Uh, in Luke chapter 10, verse 27, Jesus says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. That is what the Ten Commandments are about, a love story. We love God, we love neighbor. Why? Because he first loved us. And so love and obedience, because we love God, we obey him. That is always the link. So Jesus made that link in John chapter 15 and uh, in uh, verses 9 and 10. Uh, Jesus said, this is on page 902, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. And if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I've kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things I've spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. It's a fantastic life to be loved. And because of that love, to obey the one who loves you. So Jesus says, so I've loved you, now you abide in my love by keeping my commandments. We keep God's commandments because we love him. It's fantastic that God has told us how we can show him that we love him. Well, here's how we show him that we love him, by keeping his commandments. Because we love people who love us, don't we? I'm very fortunate. My mother is still alive. Uh, she's in her 80s. My mother is very generous. And she is very frustrating. When my mother says, Mike, do something, change the light bulb, she says, do it now. Can't wait. And I would say, I'll do it. Just, just give me time, I'll do it. I mean, you know how it goes, don't you? If a man says that he is going to do something, he will do it. Don't have to nag him every six months. Um, and 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 it's like that. We, I said, my, 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 I'll do it. But then my mother graciously puts up with me, and as I say, she is very generous. And then she will suddenly become very generous to me, and I say, and she says, Mike, would you put that light bulb on? Yes, now, now I will do it. Why? Because when a person loves you and shows you, you respond in that way. God has obedient children for the same reason. He is generous. He is loving. So yes, when I let verse 2 play on my mind, I am one of God's special people. He loves me. Now I want to obey Him. Worship the true God. Here's my second point. Don't worship the true God in a false way. Worship the true God, but don't worship him in a false way. And that's what verses 4 to 6 
are about how is it that we can make a graven image? It says here in verse 4, don't make for yourself a carved image of any likeness in heaven above. Well, you go to different parts of the world and um, in India, in Africa, in lots of parts of the world, people make an image and they say, this is the God that we worship. And actually that happens in churches too. You go in and you see someone's carved something and says, okay, that's what God is like. But that's sad because all those different things that help us to picture God actually get God wrong because they can't move, as we saw with Rachel. If you can't move and you can't speak, you can't represent God. You represent the opposite of God. And so God has given us a really good picture of what God is like. Take a look in the mirror. That's you. You are like God. Why? Because you are alive and you can speak. And you don't do that all that well, which is why God gave us a different picture, a better picture. Jesus came, comes later and uh, speaks and is just like God. Living, speaking and acting like God. People can reflect God if they are alive and can speak because God, get this, it's so important, God communicates with words, not pictures. As we go on in Exodus, you will get to Exodus chapter 33. In Exodus chapter 33, Moses says, God, show me your glory. And God says, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to put you in the cleft of a rock. I'm going to hide you so you don't see anything. But then I will go past you and I will describe myself. In Exodus chapter 34 and verse 6 and 7, God says, I am gracious, I am compassionate. And God gives us, if you like, a word picture of what he is like. No other picture of what he is like. And the difficulty that we have is we take the God who has told us really clearly in words what he is like and we say we want a different God. We want to make a teddy bear God. A God who will be nice and cuddly and make us feel good and who let us do whatever we want to do. So I want to do this thing. I know that the real God doesn't want me to do this thing, but it's okay. I've got a new God. My God will help. He's okay with this. And so we change God. In the Church of England, uh, we do that really well. So we say, yes, we believe in God. But then we change what the Bible says and we have a new God that allows us to do what the Bible tells us we shouldn't. We've made ourselves a teddy bear God. And when we change the shape of God, 
to fit in what we, with what we like, uh, we've made him a teddy bear and it's a different God to the real one. And there is always a danger with doing that because our world is full of good things that God has made. And we take something that God has made and we make a little God from it. Actually, God has made lots of things in the earth, above, on the earth, under the earth. And therefore, there are any number of things that we can take and love more than we love Him. And we can uh, take our jobs and love them more than we love Him. We can take our hobbies. We can take things that are above us in the sky above. I, uh, for a long time, loved flying aeroplanes. And for me, that was what made me happy. That gave me my sense of, hey, I can fly an aeroplane. That gave me my sense of worth. Um, or under the earth, some people actually like fishing. Um, yeah, just different things that people uh, enjoy. Some people like gadgets, some people love houses. There's any number of different things that we can enjoy that God has made and we live for those things. Um, food. If you look at uh, uh, the television, every other food program seems to be, uh, every, every other television program seems to be about how to make this new dish and you're hungry watching it. And the posters and the adverts are, well get this recipe, it'll be fantastic. Make your life new and different. And uh, our difficulty is that God has given us good gifts and we take the good gifts and we say this is what's going to make us happy more than anything else. And so what the end result is we live on this crazy estate and we go around and we knock on doors and people say, oh, I don't believe in God. And you look and you see their lives are crammed solid with lots and lots of gifts. He's given them children, he's given them uh, friends, he's given them family, he's given them a roof over their heads, he's given them uh, wonderful ways of getting around, most uh, amazing cars and so on. And they say, oh, I, I don't believe in God. The God who has just given them and given them and given them and they don't believe in him. That's crazy. It's like a child saying, I don't believe in parents. They've given me life, but I don't believe in them. I don't believe in God. He's given me life, but no, I don't believe in Him. It's a crazy thing to say. When we start loving God's gifts and not Him. But there's another danger that this part of the Bible tells about, and that is in verse 5, you will see that the, the Lord our God is actually a jealous God. Uh, um, uh, God's heart is jealous when we love something more than him. Now you might think that's a bit of a strange thing to say. Jealousy is a bad thing, isn't it? Normally it's insecure people that feel jealous. God jealous? Surely not. But can I want to say to you, there can be a really good jealousy. If a husband has a wife who goes off with someone else 
and the husband does not feel jealous, what does that tell you? He doesn't love her. If you love someone, you get jealous if they love something more, don't you? That's a good thing. It shows that you love. Now, when God is saying that he's a jealous God, he's starting to help us to see something that, that will become really clear later on in the Bible, that God loves his people as if they were a wife to him. Now, not please don't get this wrong. It's not that God loves his people as a, like a husband would love a wife. You know, we're not talking about sex or anything like that. But what God is saying is, look, let me take the highest form of human love that you know, when if it's working well, is in a marriage. <coughs> and God takes the highest expression of human love and says, my love for you is like that. I love you so much. This is a relationship. I'm not giving you rules saying do not do this. I'm saying I love you. So I will be jealous. It shows the great love of God. And if we play with a jealous God, then we are going to end up in sadness. Because he loves us too much to let that carry on. And then there is another danger with this God who loves. And you can see that in verse 5 as well. And that is there are consequences when we love something else more. God says, He will visit the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me. That is, who love other things more than they love him. Now again, we think, surely, that's not good. Why is God going to punish the next generation, the next generation, the next generation for something this generation has done? Let me tell you that when God punishes, He doesn't punish by sending lightning bolts to hurt people. The way God punishes is He lets people live with the consequences of their actions. And the consequences of our actions, when we love something more, the trouble is that that idol that we have in, instead of God, it sometimes takes generations for us to see it's rubbish. And therefore we hurt. So the, 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 the parents teach the children the same idol, and the children go after the same idol, and, and they get hurt as well. And so the consequences um, uh, always leave us in tears and crying. Take, for example, if we have children as our God, what happens? Think it through. If we have children as a God, what we are really saying is we, we, our love, our sense of worth comes from our children. They are the ones who love us, and we need that love, and therefore we will not discipline them. We will never tell them off for doing anything wrong, because they might stop loving us. So we keep saying yes, 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 to anything they want, and we spoil them. And we look to them to give us the love that 
and the fulfillment that only God can give. And children can't do that because they're not God's. Therefore, sooner or later, they will be a disappointment to us. They can't carry the weight of our expectations. Is this making sense? So, as a result, if we put our trust, our love, into anything else less than God, we will always end up disappointed. And I can tell you the story of a, a couple of young parents who I met 20 years ago. And they had this baby, and I could see their world revolved around this baby. And everything was about this baby. Every conversation came back to this baby. And I said, guys, be careful, because this baby has become your God. And if you carry on like this, you will spoil the baby, and you will end up in tears. Well, I lost track of them and then 17 years later uh, they came to speak to me again why because the baby was now 17 years old and causing a massive split in the family and the end result that split was so great that she was not talking to her parents and now the parents aren't talking to each other and so what happened in one generation has now gone on to the next generation and so the consequences will carry on when she has a family and doesn't know how to bring her children up and they become everything to her. History repeats itself and generation becomes like the generation before. It's not that God is vindictive and going down the generations punishing people. He's just letting people live with the consequences and they take a while before we say, this is a horrible idol, I don't want to be crying anymore. So don't say for a moment that England don't have idols because we're not primitive. Actually, we've got idols everywhere because God's made wonderful good things and we put them first and love them more. But what can we learn about that uh, from that? Just uh, uh, very quickly, if you're someone who is not a Christian, Maybe you're listening to this on our website, you live on our estate, and you say, actually, I'm not a Christian, and I don't believe in God. Let me start by saying something astonishing, and that is that actually uh, you do live for something that is your God. You actually have a God in your life. Christianity is not about putting a new God where there wasn't one before. Christianity is about, in the end, swapping gods. Putting the false one away and turning to one that is true. Let me show you uh, uh, what happens when a person becomes Christian, and that is that uh, they have instead... Uh, Jesus is our God, and you can see this happening in 1 Thessalonians. I wonder if you've got an English Bible, if you could turn to page 988. Uh, I don't know, 1 Thessalonians, uh, the, the, the Farsi language might be different. It's near the end of the Bible. Yeah? 1 Thessalonians, uh, chapter, uh, chapter 1, verses 9 and 10. Let me read it to you. For they themselves report concerning, 
concerning us, the kind of reception we had among you. This is what happened. How you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. They used to have idols, now they have a new God, Jesus. Why? Because if you go to Exodus chapter 20 and verse 2, he delivered them out of the house of slavery, he delivered them into a brand new life. And now they're waiting for him to come and uh, bring that new life that is perfectly safe. No more uh, the wrath of God. Uh, friends, uh, change gods. Make him, make Jesus your only God who loves you and live for him. What about church people? Well, church people are very clever people, aren't they? They know their Bible as well. So I'll tell you what church people do. They do this. Uh, they always say that they believe in God. And yes, what God says is important. But here's the clever thing. Church people have what I might call the faith God. I believe in this God. But also they live with a functioning God. And the functioning God is the true God that they look to, to give them happiness in life. And the functioning God could be... They love watching television. They live for the different, the next program that comes on, the different story, the soap, the whatever. They can't wait to the end of the day until they go back and they watch Coronation Street or uh, whatever it is. And sometimes you go to the house and you see the size of the television, a whole lot bigger than the size of their Bible. The functioning God is different to the faith God, but they say, I believe in God. But really their joy comes from something else. Now instead, let me tell you that uh, uh, money is not an idol. Money will show you what your idol is. Because if you, sp you see how you spend your money, and that will tell you, where you're looking to for your joy. I have a young mum I know, um, and uh, she doesn't have a lot of money, but she spends one quarter of what she earns in a year buying her one daughter Christmas presents at Christmas. A quarter of her income goes on her daughter at Christmas. Now it doesn't tell you, money is not her idol, but it shows you what her idol is. Her daughter. What you spend your money on will show you what your idol is. And so often Christians will say, yes, uh, I believe in God, but how we spend our money will actually show what we really love most. I had a person who used to come to this church and uh, um, he said he believed in God. He had all the different uh, uh, words for God that you can think of. And yet actually he lived to eat. All his money went on food. 
And so you have two gods. You have the faith god, but you have the functioning god, which is really what he looked to, to give him his joy. Be careful. Church people always fall into that trap. How is it then that we avoid that trap? If you are a genuine Christian who wants uh, to love God and you feel the strong pull of loving other things and that's how life is like for most Christians, how do I win this battle? I think verse, three, uh, verse 2 is the way we win it and that is to fill our heads with uh, the enormous love that God has for us this amazing rescuing love yes from that case they got rescued from the house of slavery my friends in our case this is the God who rescued you from hell to heaven this is how much he loves you he will give his son to complete that rescue for you and the more we fill our hearts with an understanding of um, his uh, rescue Yes, we'll carry on loving his gifts and we love him because of his gifts. Don't please hear me say you mustn't love your children. They are fantastic gifts. Love them, but love the giver who gave them to you. And fill your heart with his love for you. The only way to break an addiction, if you love the wrong thing, the only way to stop yourself loving the wrong thing is to love the right thing more. Get a bigger love for God and the smaller love will shrivel. And let me tell you why that is worth doing as we finish. Just look at verse 6. Because God shows steadfast love to thousands of those who love him and keep his commandments. This is the way of life that leads down and rolls down the generations with non-stop blessing. Because your children will see... This is the life that in the end lives with joy, lives with confidence. And the children will learn that from their parents and pass it on to their children. And so you have generation after generation after generation fantastically rejoicing in the love of God for them and then living, trusting that love, living in obedience to Him. Without all the mess that comes from going after other gods and ending up in tears and therefore we will live remembering God's great eternal love for us and we'll pass that down the generations so that our kids' kids will live in confidence that his love is best but we're going to stop there and uh, we'll take questions in a minute but uh, I just want to give one minute of uh, quiet thinking time for us to talk to God. But let me pray. Our Father, we do want to thank you that you declare your great love for us. And so we pray that you will help us to remember that whenever we have an opportunity to obey you, help us not to do it because you tell us what to do and what not to do. Help us to do it because we love you. But as Jesus said, because we love you, we keep your commandments and help us to love you, remembering that you have wonderfully loved us, rescued us, not from the land of 
Egypt and the life of slavery, but rescued us from hell to a future with you in heaven. Our Father, help us to love you for your great love for us and to live in obedience because we want to live in the light of that blessing. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.